Hey everyone and welcome. So there's no way to get around talking about the reality that we are living in right now with the coronavirus and how it's impacting so many of us uh, by greater levels each day. So I don't want to start off this episode without speaking to that. I've been thinking a lot about the healthcare workers that are putting themselves on the line, um, their lives on the line, um, taking care of this virus like no other. And I've been thinking about the immune compromised um, and those most susceptible to this virus, including my parents. My dad had emergency heart surgery in January, so that puts him square in that category. I've been thinking about people on the streets that can't self-quarantine because they don't have a home to be in thinking about people in retirement communities and in jails that can't obviously get away from other people and the spread is quick and fast. So there's no way to sugarcoat what we're experiencing right now. But I want to share just a minute um, of how I've been dealing with this on a daily basis. Um, Besides, you know, the privilege that I have of being able to self-quarantine You know, it's not always easy living alone during something like this, but I understand that I um, am lucky to be able to do this and um, to have food to eat and a nice, um, you know, warm bed to, to stay in. But all of the reality of it and the reality of it coming closer to my community, which I think we're all starting to get, um, is that you have to take really specific um, moves and tools in order to deal with the intensity of it all. So I just want to share a couple things that I'm doing. So I'm doing EFT, um, which stands for emotional freedom technique, doing that several times a day. And I'm doing it basically anytime my mind starts to spin out or stress really starts to take over whatever that stress is, whether that's worrying about, you know, what other people are experiencing, worrying about how it may hit my community soon, whether it's about finances, whether any of it. Um, I heard recently, and I love this, you know, it's, we take care of ourselves in terms of brushing our teeth and washing our face on a daily basis. And just as important is to take care of your emotional and energetic self, which EFT is essentially a cleanse for that. And right now we need that more than ever. So um, if you have checked out my YouTube channel, or if you haven't, um, go over there. I'll put the link in the notes. I've been doing EFT videos up there free for people to help deal with some of the stresses that are coming up. And so that's, you know, always um, ability to access that, but then also just doing on your own, even if you're just tapping, just tap, tap, tap to start to clear that stuff out. I am keeping up with movement as much as possible from home. A good friend and I have a standing 9 a.m. exercise date where we do um, some videos via Zoom. So if you have access to doing that, I highly recommend getting a steady, um, steady movement practice in because our bodies need um, that just as much as our brains, you know, need to, to quiet down and moving our bodies can really help that. You know, particularly if you have hormonal issues going on, which is partly why you might be listening to this podcast, um, we really have to keep our stress levels at a place where it does not impact our uh, cortisol levels. And, um, you know, that in turn has such a huge, huge impact on our hormones. And the reality is, of course, you can't have no stress right now. There's just no way around it. So it's taking everything else up an extra notch in order to support your system. Another big thing I found personally is that my um, potassium has been off to where I was having pretty intense pains in my gums. Um, and I knew that that was a mineral issue going on. Sometimes you have to do a little digging with yourself and figure out which mineral your body, you know, may be most depleted in, but a lot of times we're just not getting enough potassium. So if you go to my Instagram, I posted, um, yesterday, um, and you know, depending on when you're listening to this, obviously you can go back and I have a post on how potassium 
um, was found to be low in the Chinese study in, in people that had coronavirus and that getting potassium helped them um, to lessen the symptoms. So highly recommend doing this potassium broth. You get tons of potassium from it, drinking it a couple times a day. My gum pain went away within a day of doing that. And I'm also doing um, adrenal cocktails, which combines cream of tartar, which has high potassium in it with uh, with salt, which has sodium. And I've just been doing tiny little bits of salt for me because I know that I need that potassium more. So, you know, support your system, not only with the vitamin Ds and the vitamin A um, and the zinc, but also think about your, those other minerals. Think about potassium and um, calcium, magnesium, sodium. So those are just a couple of things that I'm doing. I have more um, of, you know, the foods and the herbs and essential oils that I'm using um, all in my immune defense booklet, which you can go to my website, christinegarvin.com and purchase that there. It's over 30 pages of everything that you can do to support your immune system because the virus will eventually come to all of us. And we need to have immune systems that are really strong to deal with that. Um, there's also 25 recipes that are all immune boosting recipes in that, um, in that program. So it's super cheap, $39 for the two of those. And, um, you can also do the extended program, which has a, um, several supplements that come with it. Um, and these are really high quality practitioner only brand supplements. So check out my website for more information, or you can always email me at any point. I'm thinking about everyone and holding that our highest good will come from all of this. And, you know, that includes obviously the earth. Um, and I understand that we don't have ultimate control here at all about what happens to who and what happens um, when, but we just have to hold this vision of a kinder, clearer, healthier earth and people that's going to come out of this. So thinking about all of you, um, reach out if you need to, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to be here for people as much as possible, but we're going to turn on a different note today. I had uh, such a great conversation with Hannah who is the founder of the V-Hive. And you're going to learn what that is all about. She's um, a powerhouse that has gone through all of this stuff herself. And so is so um, such a good resource for women that are suffering from um, pelvic floor dysfunction and something called vulvodynia, which we get into in this episode. So hope you enjoy it. Reach out if you need to. And I will see you guys soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. And each week, I talk with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, your health, and your well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everybody, welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I am your guide in this journey, Christine Garvin, glad to have you here today, and I'm super, super pumped and excited to have today's guests on because of the, I was just saying to her, the amazing things that pelvic floor therapy did for me last year um, after all of my abdominal surgeries, and she knows so much about pelvic floor and pelvic pain, and we're going to dive deep into that today. Her name is Hannah Matluck, and she's the founder, producer, and host of the podcast, and is a certified holistic health and wellness coach. The V-Hive was born as a result of her own challenges with chronic pelvic pain. After figuring out how to navigate these complicated issues, she realized how common they are and how infrequently they are discussed, and was eager to bring these topics to the forefront. Hannah thrives on having open conversations about taboo topics that all women should have knowledge on and access to. Welcome, Hannah. 
Thank you for having me. Oh, Happy my God. Yes. Glory and talk with you. Oh, my goodness. It's such an important thing that I, you know, actually brought in a pelvic floor therapist when I did the hormone summit back mm -hmm. in September, because I was like, okay, women need to know about this because I feel like so few actually do. So yeah, you're like, tell me about it. So before we dive into, you know, all kind of the specifics around it, tell us how you came upon it and, and what, you know, your story is all about. Yeah. So I, I'm 24 now. And a few years ago when I was about 19, I started to develop what I now know are, were pelvic pain symptoms, pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms. So I was getting chronic infections and then I was having a lot of vaginal pain and burning and itching and bladder urgency and frequency. Um, and I was, I did have infections. Like I tested positive for yeast infections, UTIs, PV, and I was taking antibiotics and all the different medications a doctor would prescribe. And instead of the symptoms going away and getting better, they were actually getting much worse. Mm. And so I am living in New York. I'm from New York. And so after I was hopping from one gynecologist to another here in the city, um, I finally, actually, my grandma had a lot. She had IC and she had a lot of different pelvic health issues throughout her life. So she actually had one of the few vulvar pain gynecologists slash specialists in New York. And after, you know, about six months of being in pain and not being able to find the right answers. Um, my grandma was like, you have to come to this doctor with your, I'll go with you, but you have to see my doctor. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, me, my mom and my grandma went to this gynecologist in the city and she was like, you have pelvic floor dysfunction, you have vulvodynia. Um, and that's really where, you know, my whole journey started and where I, I learned about how, what pelvic pain is, what pelvic mm -hmm. floor physical therapy is. And then, I became super interested in, in all of this and I've always been very outspoken and, you know, when I have a problem, everyone knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like talking to everyone about this yeah. and I became really close to my pelvic floor physical therapists and my doctors and I just realized like it's a huge problem. So many women are suffering from these issues. No one knows about them. Gynecologists don't even really know about, you know, what pelvic pain is and how to send their patients to get the right help. So then that kind of led me to start the podcast, uh, Beehive, which I'm now working on full time. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's my story simplified. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Very simplified. Well, I, I had definitely, um, I just want to point out something I think is really cool is that you, your mother and your grandmother went together, like three yeah. generations of women, you know, I, know. I mean, but that, that's really powerful in a way. I don't think that that all, you know, always happens. Um, no, families. It does. <laughs> I'm super grateful for it, but it's yeah. also so funny because I'm like, you know, like when I go to a doctor or something, like both my parents, I mean, I'm so fortunate, but it's like, you're like a very there. small family. Like they all need to know what's going on. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You're like, there, there's pros lot. and cons to that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, it's, it's all good. Can you explain what vulvodynia is for people that don't know what that is? Yes, definitely. So when I, so my symptoms were vaginal burning and itching in the absence of any infection. So obviously mm. I, I would take an antibiotic or whatever the medication was and the infection would go away, but I still had all of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was diagnosed with vulvodynia, I was, you know, as one would imagine, so upset because you hear this term vulvodynia and you're like, that's the scariest term I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it does not sound I'm good. I'm going to die from this. Like, what is this? Right, right. Um, it's so scary. Like no one talks about it. Right. Um, I was just like scared and confused and I've never, Oh, your cat's so cute. Yep. <laughs> There's always one moment where he creeps on by. So um, and so what is vulvodynia? Okay. So, um, so essentially like, you know, now in, in retrospect, I, feel like I'm able to give a good explanation of what vulvodynia is. And I talk to women all the time who have vulvodynia. And like the first thing I tell them is 
don't be freaked out. I know that's easier said than done, but it's literally all it is, is a diagnosis for some sort of, of chronic undiagnosed vulvar discomfort, whether it's pain, burning, itching, irritation, a sensitivity. It's the same exact thing as if you had knee pain and a doctor gave you some technical term for knee pain Mm -hmm. and that knee pain could easily go away when you find what what's causing it right it's just the term to describe the symptoms the thing that they don't know what it is is. (laughs) right so whether it's a hormonal issue or whether it's a a muscular issue or whether it's a nerve issue or it's related to stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. um or it's related to an infection like you know there's so many reasons and it's it's once you find out what's causing it the vulvodynia can go away. It's just yeah. like a term to describe the sensations that you're having. So, gotcha. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So what did you end up finding out was kind of the underlying issue for you? So what I found out, which I think is probably similar um, with other women's stories, is that it's a it's many things that are causing the discomfort. So in my case, and... I was just talking about this with someone the other day, like since when, you know, when you're treating something that's chronic, it's like so multifaceted that it's mm-hmm. hard to know like what exactly. I mean, if you, you're lucky if you do one thing and it is the answer, yeah. but that's usually that not never the happens. Case. Yeah. That never really happened. Yeah. Like I've talked to one woman who went to pelvic floor physical therapy and it totally cured her. I'm like, that's amazing, but that's mm-hmm. unfortunately not usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely not how it went with me. Um, so, but what I did find out was that I was having all of these infections and my pelvic floor muscles were in a spasm because they were guarding like mm-hmm. my pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. They, they became so tight because there were so many infections. So it's like, you know, if you cut your foot, like your foot's going to tense up to, to just a natural body defense. So my muscles were so spasm because I was just chronically getting all these infections. And um, then I, so that was definitely one cause. I also was in a relationship at the time that was stressful. So I think I was, I, I know I was anxious and upset, but it was hard for me to understand that because I've never been like an anxious or depressed person. So I really was like unaware of the mind body connection. And I just, I thought like physical symptoms were physical symptoms. I didn't make the connection. Now I have a totally different view on that. And I can see in retrospect that the relationship was really, I was holding all of my stress in my pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. which was also making it really tight. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, you know, like living in the city and just sometimes being in New York, it's a stressful environment for a lot of people. Yeah. So that wasn't helping anything. And then I also know a lot of now about like our microbiome and how that relates to our vaginal microbiome. And I had a lot of gut issues. So I had like SIBO and candida and lots of like gut dysbiosis. So I saw a functional medicine doctor and really like we worked through getting all of my gut issues under control. I was like very constipated and bloated all the time, which was definitely contributing to the pelvic pain. So those were like all of the kind of underlying, what I believe were the underlying factors. And then I had to treat it from all different angles to ultimately feel better. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you brought up the gut connection because Mm -hmm. that's, you know, I start with pretty much every client, even if they come to me with hormonal issues, we start with gut health because that underlies everything, right? I mean, like you say, it's all these different components, but I I think, you know, with physical symptoms anywhere in our body, a lot of people don't think, oh, my, my gut is messed up and that's why this is happening, you know, or this, that's part of why this is happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I, I'm glad that you brought up that point because I'm, I'm constantly trying to get women to just like take that into consideration with whatever's going on, especially in our reproductive area, you know, it's it's such a huge component. Um, And I always say like, you know, when I'm talking to women, I'm like, you could go to every, like the best doctor in the world, spend all the money in the world, like get every injection procedure, hours of physical therapy. Like you can do that all. And if you're not 
eating well and like, you know, making sure that your gut's healthy and like cutting out inflammatory foods and doing all of the things that you have control over, like you're probably, it's going to be much harder to get better. Right. And it's exactly. And it's, it's going to eventually come back, even if those things help in the interim. Right. It's like, exactly. you, you gotta, yeah, you gotta think long-term. And, um, I was having this conversation with somebody else recently, you know, that, um, so much. So I'm in my early forties and, you know, like just kind of starting on the perimenopausal track and to really kind of get ahead of things, you know, it's like, if you make some good changes in your early thirties, that can really set you up for much better time in perimenopause and menopause. But, you know, the person I was talking to, she was like, I know really it needs to be teens, (laughs) you know, teens and twenties. And, and I hate that so many women are going through such pain um, before they get there, but it's also what's pushing, I think, a lot of women who are younger to be like, okay, you know, these things that my doctor has told me isn't really working to help me to get better, and so mm-hmm. there, there's more here, and like you doing all this work now, even though, of course, you had to because you were in so much pain, but that is really setting you up for a much easier road, fingers crossed, you know, when you get into your thirties and your forties and beyond. Oh, it's a really good point. And like with anything, it's, you know, I think about that a lot and it's like, now I kind of have a toolbox and I have like the resources that I'll I'll need. If something does come up down the road, like this won't be new. Yeah, exactly. Territory. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're totally way ahead in the game. I wanted to go back to something else you said too, because I thought this was fascinating when I went in for pelvic floor therapy is that, you know, same thing, like my muscles, especially like on the left side, my Mm -hmm. vaginal muscles on the left side were just like super, super tight, you know, and I didn't even realize that. And it's funny because I didn't really go into pelvic floor therapy Mm -hmm. to really deal with anything vaginally that I, you know, thought of. Like really, I was like, okay, I want to safely rebuild my core. But I was like, yeah, let's like figure out, see what's going on. And, um, until she, you know, checked me out, I didn't realize how tight that left side of my vaginal muscles were, you know, and it was fascinating because it's like, I feel like in our culture, the only thing you ever hear, hear about when you hear about pelvic floor is like Kegels, right? Like do your Kegels, but it's like, that's not always good. Right. In my situation, that wouldn't be good for me to do a bunch of Kegels, right? It's like, I need to do the opposite of Kegels, right? Like (laughs) letting out. And I feel like I've been hearing more and more about women that really do have that tightness that's happening. Um, And I think for all the reasons that you brought up, it's so um, important to understand that, you know, the emotional component of like Mm -hmm. holding things and protecting, protecting that whole area, you know, such a deep area. And what I learned is that we all hold our stress in different places in our body. So someone might be stressed or anxious and they get stomach ache or neck pain or back pain or migraine. But for a lot of women, it will show up in their pelvis. And I think that's what was happening to me. And and it was like really hard for me to understand because even though I consciously was not feeling stressed or like, I was like, oh, I don't really feel that stress. I don't really feel that anxious. But I had to my I went to an acupuncturist for a while and he explained this to me and he was like, Well, just because your mind isn't really responding to all of the triggers in your life, your body is and your pelvis is. And so I think that for some people they might get really depressed about certain things or really anxious. And for some people it just shows up physically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So what are some of the things when you did start doing um, pelvic floor therapy? Like what, what kinds of stuff did they do with you? In specifically in in physical Mm -hmm, therapy. mm -hmm. So um, as, as you obviously know, and I'm sure many people listening probably know it's internal physical therapy. So Honestly, most of like they were 45 minute sessions. I would go once a week and I still go like once a month, once every other month, just as maintenance, mm-hmm. um, making sure that that really doesn't come back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it was really just internal work. I know a lot of physical therapists give like home programs and exercises you can do at home. My physical therapist really, it was just like, they're focusing on releasing the muscles internally um, and helped me 
understand how I can make like workout modifications if I wanted to do yoga or go spinning, which I did have to cut back on for a while. Mm. But you know, when I was then ready to go do it again, like how I could do that in a safe way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but a lot of it was like just really doing the work it like they they were doing the work and then they gave me dilators and I used I bought um another tool called the wand which is like an at-home uh way to release your pelvic floor muscles but I personally I wasn't that consistent with them and I didn't really find them to be that helpful for me but I know a lot of women who do um yeah so mine was just like going there, having them, you know, really work on the muscles. And then it was also like a therapy, like a a talk therapy session for me, because I mean, for, I'm someone who asks a million questions. I'm like the most annoying patient. So (laughs) the whole time I'm like asking them questions and questions that can't even be answered. (laughs) um, But I found it interesting and I I was interested for myself and I was just, you know, interested in general. And I would always ask them, lots of questions and I was I would go and I would learn more about my body and what is good for me what's not good what to do and, and they would always give me recommendations as to you know if I wanted to see a practitioner who specializes in something mm-hmm. they had a lot of a lot of connections so yeah. It opened up, yeah, even more. Well, yeah. it's it's funny you bring up the the wand because I remember my pelvic floor therapist being like, "Oh, you know, we um, there's this you know other option if you want to use this at home," and she she was like, "You know, it's she shows me like a medical um, website or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, a medical supply website, and she's like, you know, this is the wand," and I was like, "Is it pretty much like?" a dildo and she's like kind of <laughs> and I was like okay and then like she asked me about it later again and she's like yeah you can get a vibrating one I was like so pretty much like a vibrator and she's like yeah and I was like I'm covered girl I don't need to buy a medical wand <laughs> no worries but what's interesting is since then and what I loved about that experience was that I definitely like I learned that feeling right mm-hmm. like I'm sure you know I mean definitely my surgeries made me tighten in that area completely. But I have a feeling that I was holding myself that way probably for years before that and never noticed. Right. And so get it, you know, for, for women that are scared of having this sort of internal, you know, work done, it really, what I loved about it was because it's like, you're not, um, you're, you're getting in touch with that area in a way that's not sexual in a way that's not like, Oh, it's my period. So I don't really want to deal with it. Or I'm like having a baby. Right. I feel like Mm -hmm. we think of the vagina as this very, just like these particular things and we don't have a good connection to it otherwise, you know? And, and it gave me a different relationship with that. And also Mm -hmm. like, yeah, recognizing just like any other part of my body, this tightness can ensue and that's going to throw off, not just that area, but also my lower back, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me, I think it was, you know, really connected to some lower back stuff. And so now in working with that pelvic floor therapist, I, I have that, like, I can feel it now when I'm, I'm tightening, you know, when it was just, yeah, automatic Mm -hmm. reaction in the past. Um, And, you know, for women that, um, beyond just this, I just want to bring up some of the other things that I learned when I was there that I think Mm -hmm. is so helpful, like for incontinence, you know, and this is uh, my, I remember my physical therapist telling me that that's like one of the biggest reasons that women go into like retirement, you know, facilities because they can't like, they have incontinence issues and their families can't take care of them, you know, or it's too much. Mm -hmm. And so, working with a pelvic floor therapist can actually turn that around like completely, you know, know. and particularly after women give birth. Um, and I know this is probably all stuff you've talked about to different professionals on your podcast, you know, but, um, and then obviously like rebuilding the core prolapses, all kinds of stuff like that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why I think every woman should access that at some point in their lives because <laughs> it's going to help. I could not agree more. And it's funny because I mean, it's, it's not funny, but my mom's now going through menopause and, and a lot of her friends are as well. And a lot of them have incontinence and because of me and her mom, she knows so much about pelvic floor physical therapy yeah. and, and 
how it can help with bladder issues. And she tells her friends, like, you should see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, And they're like, so confused. Some of their gynecologists are recommending surgery. Like, I know. And she gets so angry. She's like, I I feel like she gets so upset about it because she's like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. Well, you know, women to wrap their head around when they don't have any past right or knowledge on what pelvic health or pelvic floor PT is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I talk about this a lot on this podcast that, you know, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, happy that we have allopathic medicine and that we have medications and that we have surgery, but it's allopathic medicine is taught medication and surgery, mm-hmm. right? That, so of course that's the recommendations that are going to come from doctors, you know, like I don't blame them. That's like, that's what they've learned. That's what they've been taught. That's their expertise. But yeah. there's this whole other world of, you know, how, I mean, everything from traditional medicine, um, you know, all, and, and things that have been part of different cultures for so long that, that can help us. And then cutting edge functional medicine stuff too, mm-hmm. you know, that really deals with these chronic issues in a, sure. a very different way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you, did you end up doing like, um, like regular therapy too? Was that part of the component? So, yeah, so I, in addition to pelvic floor physical therapy, I, do you want me to like kind of walk you through the main things that? I love it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Uh, great for people to hear, like have an idea of how to approach this. Yeah. I'm happy to share it all. So, yeah, so I, pelvic floor physical therapy was, was of course the main component. Um, and that was probably like what I did the most and the most consistently, Mm -hmm. but in addition, I saw an acupuncturist, um, probably like for a little bit once a week, then once every two weeks, once a month, took a break for a while, like, you know, mm-hmm. would go, would stop going, but that was definitely a part of my, uh, regimen. And then as I mentioned, I had a functional medicine doctor who was really helping with all of the gut issues. And then I was in, like, I saw like a talk therapist for a while and then like, kind of stopped for a while and now I actually have an amazing psychiatrist in the city who I just see like once a month as kind of like keeping like someone to talk to to update um like I feel pretty good physically and and mentally and emotionally now so it's not something that like I need all the time but it's definitely helpful to have a professional who can when you do have the thoughts that come back or mm-hmm. when, you know, you need someone to kind of bring you back to baseline that they're there for you. I think it's really important. Um, and he does like CBT therapy and nice. then also like he's a psychiatrist so he can prescribe medication. I'm not like huge medication person, but it is helpful to have someone who is able to do that. Yep. Um, and what else? I was on my... So there was like two, the gynecologist that initially diagnosed me with all of these issues um, put me on antidepressants. And that was something that was like hard for me to wrap my head around for a while because I mean, I, I immediately went on them because I was mm-hmm. in so much pain, yeah, yeah. but I just genetically, um, my predisposition, I was never, I've never suffered from anxiety or depression mm. until like I had pain, mm-hmm. but I was always a happy person. Mm-hmm. So... I, I went on the medication because I had no idea what else to do. And I was so desperate to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like one of her main kind of approaches to treating women with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And after a while I had gotten much better with, I believe that they helped and mm-hmm. physical therapy helped and acupuncture helped and changing my diet helped and, so many things but then I kind of her approach was let's put you on more medication more medication because I was like 70% better but I you know for like a year I couldn't get to 90 or 100 Mm. so I ended up switching gynecologist to another doctor in the city who's also a vulvar pain pelvic pain specialist but a bit more progressive um and just I I liked her better Mm -hmm. and she had many more kind of like options in her toolbox as to things Mm -hmm. that 
could be done um, instead of medication. Not that I'm against medication. I think medication is great and it serves, you know, it saves people's lives. But I think that I felt that there were other things I could do and other things I needed to do mm-hmm. to like figure out the root cause of what was going on. Um, so she actually did pelvic floor Botox injections. In oh, I've pelvic- heard a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they actually really, really helped. They... I believe that they got me from like 70% to like 90% better. Wow. So is that yeah. internal? It's internal. Can you explain like, yeah, if of you don't mind like how that no, works? No. Yeah. So um, it's, there's not like that many doctors that are really like, I mean, I think it's starting to become more of a, of a, a bit more of a popular thing, but it's still not popular right. by any means. Um, it's also like off label use for Botox, mm-hmm. but um, essentially what the, the idea behind it is, is that the muscle is in a spasm. And I think that my muscles have become much healthier from physical therapy. But anyways, there was obviously still some level of tightness that wasn't going away from PT. And, and so the theory is that you, uh, put, you, you, inject the muscle with Botox and what Botox does is it paralyzes the muscle, which sounds scary, but, um, you know, this kind of calms it down. Yeah. She's super, super, super experienced, like has been doing this for like a lot, probably 10 years. Like Mm -hmm. this is what she really does and knows very well. I felt really comfortable and confident that she was a doctor to have do this. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so it paralyzes the muscle and, kind of gets it like out of a spasm. And the theory is that if you can force the muscle to not be in a spasm, it's like muscle memory. So Mm -hmm. the muscle like will relearn a healthy state of functioning. Mm -hmm. So if your muscles in a spasm, that's like the muscle, all it knows is like stay in that state. So if you can retrain the muscle, hopefully it won't, tense up again and the spasm will go away. And, right. um, I went three times over the course of like six months and went to physical therapy throughout those, those months. And after that, I would say like, I was feeling really, 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 really like the best I had ever felt. And there was like times here and there where like something would come back once I had to go on antibiotics. Um, for another infection a few months after this and it caused some like vulvodynia off, yeah flare up yeah um probably related to like a gut type of imbalance that was causing an issue but you know i think after you are able to get out of like the bad pain uh the, the bad phase of it you yeah. are able to see more clearly i was like okay this is really this is upsetting, but I know that this will go away because I now have the tools and the resources and the the practitioners to reach out to and to go to when this happens again. But those I would say were the the main, the main things. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a really good point that you just brought up right then, because, you know, I, I think all of us, when we do work on ourselves and, you know, especially sort of multi um, pronged or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to really be holistic about things, our goal is to feel obviously as good as we can, but the reality is that we will have um, trip ups or, you know, flares with these things that are, are kind of like Achilles heel, if you want to call it that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think we each have kind of our bodies are predisposed to different things, right. Kind of like Mm -hmm. you were talking about earlier. Some people, they feel it in their stomach. Some people, they feel it in their neck, what have you. But um, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean when you hit that moment where you have a flare or whatever, that doesn't mean that like everything's messed up forever. You know, it's like, it is just a blip in the radar and part of the healing process. And um, it can be really scary when you're in it, right. You're like, Oh my God, I've done all this work and I was feeling so much better. And now I'm here, you know, and it's just like, it's the reality of life and the healing process, you know, to, to go through all of that. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the reasons that I've realized that um, like cognitive behavioral therapy is so helpful because Mm. it's like, having someone tell you like you've gotten through this before mm-hmm. you're gonna get through this again like 
if you look at all the patterns and think about this logically, mm-hmm. there's not one piece of evidence showing you that this is going to be permanent and like that this is here to stay forever. That's just not the reality of the situation. Right, right. But when right. you hear someone else say it to you like that, you're like, oh, that, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It's it. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there's so much, you know, PTSD for women around things, totally. right? And so we just like, whoa, go into that place. And so, yeah, to have that, um, centering from Mm -hmm. an outside source, whatever that is for you, I think is just so helpful. And that's why, you know, coaches, practitioners that you really trust. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I wanted to go back. I do want to ask you a little bit more about the Botox here in a second, but I wanted to step back for a second and just bring up um, also what you said about like finding another gynecologist when you, I don't want to say you hit like Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the most that you could with that original one, but you kind of there's an evolution, right? In the healing process. And you're kind of like, okay, she, I'm guessing, you know, has done all that she can Mm -hmm. for me. And I'm ready to kind of like figure out what else I can do and and test these other things. And I think that that's important for people to, to remember too, that, you know, one doctor is not the be all end all, and they each have their take on what is going to be best for you. And you really Mm -hmm. have to listen to your own gut and be like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, maybe medication was helping for a while, but maybe there's something else I want to do now. Um, so that's just another, I I wanted to underline that point because I think that's really important for women to hear too. No, I agree. I think it's super important. And I think that we've all like kind of been in that place where we know, or we feel when we've reached like our maximum with the doctor, or we feel in our gut that like, they're not able to help me as much as I would like anymore. Or, you know, it's just like the right time to get another opinion or to see if someone can do something more for me. And and I remember actually talking to my physical therapist about this and they were trying to convince me to go see the second doctor. And they were like, you should go see her. She's amazing. Uh, Her name's Dr. Dina Harris. She's in New York, but they're like, you have to go see Dr. Harris. She does Botox and she specializes in the same field but she's just more progressive and has uh you know she's like more up to date with this whole world Mm -hmm. and I really didn't want to get the Botox because I was like eh let me see let me wait like I don't I just didn't like the idea of it Mm -hmm. and it was expensive and I was just putting it off for as Mm -hmm. long as I could and then months went by and nothing was changing Mm -hmm. and I kind of finally was like you know what like I'm gonna see her and I think we all have to go through that kind of gift it takes time for us mm-hmm. to all like get to the place where like we're ready to see a new doctor spend the money do all of those you know do it all tell our story again like go mm. through the whole thing but it's important that when you know you feel like you need more help and you're not getting it or you're not connecting with the doctor anymore or you don't like her approach or his mm-hmm. approach like you find someone else and yep. I remember like my first doctor I would leave her office so upset because she was good at what she she's good at what she does but I always just felt like this was going to be my life like she Mm. she set me on the path to to healing and realizing what was wrong but she didn't really make me feel like this is going to like I would say to her am I gonna have this forever and she's like you could and I would just be like Mm. I don't want to hear that yeah not helpful (laughs) not yeah not helpful Um, and I would just like leave crying all the time. And then I, when I saw this new doctor, she would just say like, you're going to get better. Like Mm. if this doesn't work, I have 10 other things that could work. Mm. And like, even though I wasn't feeling great, like I would leave so happy because she made me feel like she wasn't going to give up. There were so many things that she could do. And this is what she sees and deals with all the time. And like, she made me feel optimistic about everything. And like, for me, that was what I needed. Like, I yeah. just needed someone to say, like, I'm going to help you figure this out. You're going to get better. I have a lot of things to try. And that was really, really helpful for me. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's what most women really want, you know, mm-hmm. at bottom. Like, you you know, you don't want to go to somebody who, um, I don't want to say doesn't have your best interests at heart, because I don't think that that's it. But yeah. Um, has, yeah, kind of a negative viewpoint of your, you know, (laughs) your health and your life and what what you can do. And so, um, I, you know, I, I like to stress that to people because I think there's a lot of 
people will get caught and they're like, well, you know, I've either worked with this doctor for a while or I was recommended this doctor and other people like them. And a lot of times people can just turn it in on themselves and blame themselves for, Mm -hmm. you know, not getting better and that kind of thing. And, and I'm not trying to blame the doctors, but it's just like, there's other options out there. And so like, don't ever close yourself down to um, just what you're being told by one person. I agree. And it's the same with like, because I, a lot of women tell me, oh, physical therapy, um, pelvic floor physical therapy hasn't worked for me. Mm-hmm. And while it might not work for some women, I think that also pelvic floor physical therapy is an interesting thing because not all of them are trained the same. Right. Not all of them are as good as one another. So right. I also think just like specifically in terms of pelvic floor physical therapy, if anyone listening is like going to one and isn't seeing results after a month or two like move to another one because yeah. you know it's better to like try another one than just jump to the conclusion that it's not working for you absolutely and i mean yeah. that's so true with so many things you know i mean there there will be even like supplements that i work with clients right. on you know and i'm i'm like okay you know sometimes it is they don't i mean a lot of when i recommend ones it's specifically usually off of tests and that kind of thing so we know that they're mm-hmm. low in this or whatever and um when they say that it you know doesn't work it's like okay well we have to figure out like is it is it the brand that you're taking is it the amount that you're taking like there's so many different levels to it it's not just this one thing doesn't work necessarily right. you know you gotta you gotta try these different things um okay really quick hopping back to the botox because i'm just so super curious about the actual like mechanism of it so yeah. do they have to put like a needle inside of you like it's the whole thing or is it a long needle that they <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's totally a fair question. Um, so it is, how did she, I know how she did it. So she actually, she doesn't, she didn't put, she's a gynecologist, so she didn't put like the actual speculum in. I think Mm -hmm. that she just put her finger in and could feel like the muscle that she Mm -hmm. needed to get. And then I, I'm not sure because this was over a year ago, but I believe she had her finger in and then at the same time or maybe put her finger out but just put the needle in and she injected like you know the muscle like Mm. a deep a Mm -hmm. deep muscle like not a superficial muscle like very like the needle was deep inside yeah how'd that Um, feel it hurt yeah i was gonna say (laughs) i can't feel good (laughs) i do not feel good it really hurt but at the same time i was like I mean, I don't have a high pain tolerance, but it's interesting. Like acute pain, I'm really bad with, but like long-term pain, I seem to be able to like be okay with. Yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. Have long-term pain, but it's like, it, I had to get stitches for the first time on my foot the other month and I was like the biggest baby ever. <laughs> like, like it was two stitches and I was freaking out. Like I thought the world was going to Well, <laughs> And my boyfriend's like, you're such a baby. I'm like, no, you don't know what I've dealt with. Like I've... <laughs> Yeah. I'm kind of like a baby. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I like went to get my blood drawn the other day and I always get nervous with blood draws. And I was like in the hospital with like literally a million needles in me, a pick line, you know, like a wound that, I mean, my body went through a tremendous amount after my emergency surgeries and I'm still like, Oh, I gotta get my blood drawn. So I get it. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You've had all these surgeries. Yeah, exactly. I know. know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. It's, I think our, I think we get used to like when you have pain for a while, you get used to it to a certain extent, right? Like you have to, like it's survival mode. And so versus this like very like in the moment pain, you're like, Oh, I don't want (laughs) to. It's my mom's friend. This is totally random, but my mom's friend um, has had two open heart surgeries and I have like a, a lot of earrings on my ear and she's looked at my ear and she's like, that's so painful. Like, how could you get so many ear piercings? Like, doesn't that hurt? And I was just like, you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm worried about my ear piercings. I know, I know. Um, Women are no, funny. The bo- yeah, the, bo- <laughs> the Botox hurt, but it was like two seconds. It was over with. And I think that you know, as I'm sure you know, you get to a point where you're just like, I don't care if this is yeah. help. Like, yeah. I'll handle two seconds of, of, Absolutely. of a injection. So yeah. it Absolutely. really wasn't that bad. Like, I yeah. was fine after I got up, went about my day. Like, there was no downtime. There was no side effects. Like, kind of like nothing. when you get Botox, like, 
yeah migraines or in your head or whatever yeah it's like right. it's, less, yeah. yeah it's an injection and then whatever you go about yeah. your life but i i also think that like you know if anyone is listening and thinks that it might be something that would help them potentially like it probably i mean it is probably very important to make sure some you're, you know a doctor's doing it that really knows what they're doing right because i don't want to like say that it's you know any like procedure or injection could have side effects so but I do know women who like make that have, point. Yeah, they yeah. want to make that point. Like, I wouldn't have anyone do it. But yeah. if you're going to a good a good doctor who's done it before, um, it could be helpful. Yeah, yeah. I I love that you brought that up because I I've heard a little bit about it, but I didn't know all of that. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. excited that I learned about that. So tell it actually. But, sorry, one quick point. I yeah, just yeah. I actually had um a woman on my podcast who had vaginal pelvic pain, vulvodynia pain for a while. And she actually told her story um, like two weeks ago. And she, Botox was another doctor in, in Manhattan did Botox for her in, in her pelvic floor. But she said it like, you know, she had pain for two years. She was going to PT, doing all of this stuff. And then she got like three rounds of Botox and she essentially just like woke up one morning and it was the first time in two years, like her pain went away. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah. It was crazy. So like, I've heard a lot of stories of women who really helps really, I'm then, really d- jump into like I want to find um after we get off I'm like I want to research like how if they're you know all around the country I mean I'm sure in big cities you can find it more easily but I'm curious in different places mm-hmm. but what were you gonna say yeah no I was gonna say there was actually another woman a while ago who I also had on my podcast who was having pelvic pain and she found a doctor that gave her Botox it really helped her and what's so interesting is she actually works for now I'm forgetting, but I, she does, she, she's involved in, with, with Allergan, who, the company that manufactures Botox. Okay. And so she became so interested in this after it helped her that she was working with them to like figure out, a, to start like a clinical trial mm-hmm. um, with, with, with pelvic Botox for, for pelvic pain because Botox isn't covered by insurance right. but if they can like get clinical trials and then it will be prove, then it will be so she she we did a whole podcast this was a while ago but she was like one of her like main jobs at work now is trying to figure out a way to get them to like I guess they're doing a clinical trial but it's scheduled for 10 years because that's how this works so she's trying to like right. expedite it and figure out a way to get insurance like on board with yeah yeah, because we're so behind on studying women, <laughs> you know, as we know, like in the past few years, it's come out how little, you know, our science has studied women's bodies, how women right. haven't been a part of scientific studies ever, really, you know, and I feel like we're do- doing this like catch up now, yeah. right? Because exactly. women are suffering so bad. It's like we need to make this happen. So I, fingers crossed that that does you know, go much faster than 10 years. I know. Um, well, so tell us a little bit more about your podcast and, you know, is it, is it all focused on pelvic pain? Um, so yeah, yeah. So I, so I started it about two years ago and at first it was called the women's pelvic health pot. At first it was called the women's pelvic pain podcast. Mm -hmm. And then I recently, um, no, not recently, sorry. It was called the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. I shortly, shortly after I started, I changed the name to the Women's Pelvic Health Podcast because I was kind of, I kind of realized pain, it's not a good word, has a bad connotation and mm-hmm. the podcast isn't really about pain, it's about healing and health. Mm-hmm. So I changed it to the Women's Pelvic Health Podcast um, and it was all about pelvic health and, you know, every week I would have a different doctor, practitioner come on and or a patient um, come on and share their expertise or their story or how what they do in this in the field and how they treat they treat, um, and then in this new year in 2020 in January, I rebranded the whole podcast and it's now called the V Hive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I decided to do that was because I was realizing that you know the podcast was growing and many women who you know needed the information were finding it and and i was helping a lot of women Mm -hmm. to figure out what was wrong but i realized that the only people that were listening were either women with diagnosed pelvic health issues or practitioners 
in the pelvic health space. Mm-hmm. And although that's great and that was the initial goal, um, the word pelvic health is still a little bit of a foreign term. Right. And, you know, I have like sex therapists come on and infertility specialists and psychiatrists and therapists and acupuncturists. And so, you know, I think that this is information that could benefit all women Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that a lot of women were kind of being deterred by the name. Mm -hmm. And when I would tell people, you know, what I do, they'd be like, oh, you have a podcast, what's it called? And I would say the Women's Pelvic Health Podcast. And they would be like, oh, that's cool. But they were not going to go home and listen because they don't know what that means. Right. They don't have pelvic pain or any pelvic health issue. So I just really wanted it uh, to be more like approachable and accessible. And I wanted all women to really be able to like come to this place where they could learn about their intimate health and like, Mm -hmm. you know, a place where all of the questions that we, because we all have questions about our bodies. We all like don't understand things. We all Google when things happen. (laughs) Um, And at the end of the day, there's not like that many resources with high quality information. So I really just wanted it to be a place where all of these questions that women have about their sexual health and intimate health could, you know, they could come to and these questions would be answered by really good specialists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so now it's called the VHive. It's focused on women's intimate health. And of course, you know, the, the mission is still the same education, awareness, community, um, and the huge focus of it is pelvic health because that's what I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. but I have broadened it a little bit so that I include some other conversations on in, in the sexual health and intimate health space. Like I'm going to have the sex educator come on and, you know, like even a, a therapist who specializes in chronic pain and trauma and just like just broadening it a little bit so that it's not just a pelvic pain podcast but at the same time women with pelvic pain will probably still find a lot of the other episodes interesting because it's all related at the end of the day absolutely totally that's what it comes down to well i love the name i know i love it i love the name i think that's um, yeah it's really um i don't know if the word's catchy but i i just yeah it it flows really nicely so yeah yeah absolutely um and i i laughed when you said the thing about googling stuff that i just had this conversation yeah. with a friend recently she's like if anybody ever saw my google history search history i'm like if anybody ever saw anybody else's google search history you know like, <laughs> and at yeah. the end of the day you don't really learn much like no just, just a waste of time oh my god especially nowadays right because there's just like a million different takes on every single thing you know yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's, and it's, I think a lot of I actually had one urologist um come on my podcast and he said he made a really interesting point he said that like the reason why I mean look not all googling is mm-hmm, bad but mm-hmm. a lot of the forums that mm-hmm. have like the pelvic pain forums or the IC mm-hmm. forums or you know what whatever it is they they have just a lot of angry patients and, yeah. and while like who you know patients have every right to be angry because yeah. they're suffering and that's a fair that, that you know we've, we've all been there mm-hmm. but he's like it's not a productive necessarily productive use of time because the patients who get better aren't going into these forums and writing about the fact that they've gotten better and he's like do you know how many men and women have come into my office and I've treated them and and they've been better and then they just go about their life and no right. one they don't talk about it no one cares about it and everything's fine yeah. But unfortunately, when, when we have a problem and then we go to Google and then we find these forums and then we're just reading from all of the patients yeah. who haven't gotten better. Yep. And that can lead to other problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing. I've talked about this a lot because, you know, I got in. Um, so after my emergency surgeries, which, you know, was from this fibroid, getting a mm-hmm. fibroid removed and they unknowingly burned me in three places in my intestines during that. So I ended up with an ostomy bag for about six months. And, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything really about ostomies beforehand. So I joined an ostomy support group and it was both wonderful because there was so such a lack of information from the doctors and, you know, I mean, while I was yeah. in the hospital, the nurses were amazing. Like the, 
wound ostomy incontinence nurses. But then like you're kind of, you know, in our system generally, especially like I didn't have a doctor. I didn't have like a GI specialist or anything like that. Like I just kind of fell through the cracks. Right. So like the support group was awesome. But then I had to I learned so much and then I had to cut myself off at a certain point, especially like going into reversal surgery to like, you know, have my intestines put back inside. Like there's like like you said, like all the negative stuff is on there. Um, I do have to say it is interesting because I, I noticed a lot of people in that support group would say, you know, tell me a positive reversal story because there aren't any. And I remember actually once I had gotten to a place where I was really like, okay, I'm doing this reversal and I'm, you know, I've got all my bases covered as much as I can. I felt pretty calm about it. I started noticing all the positive stories that were on there, you know? So Mm -hmm. like a lot of it is our own you know, what we're going through at that time and what we see and what we view. Um, but I, I, I did have to stay in that place, you know? Mm-hmm. And so also kind of like backing off of that for some of the time and, um, and not getting caught up. Yeah. Too much in other people's stories because we yeah. each have our, our individual stories and like the point you made people that are doing well are off living their lives. They're not yeah. in there like saying, Oh my God, everything's great. So yeah, <laughs> no. it's, it's, yeah, it's a, like, it's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. But I know I can imagine that a lot of doctors are, are fed up with, with all of that. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to hear one more thing about yeah. these people that don't have a degree telling, you know, telling you to do this, but um, well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you have this podcast and that you're, um, you know, really talking about this information because it is, you know, from, from my perspective, like such a huge part of hormone health too, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like you said, this is all really interconnected. Um, and I think when you're working on your hormones, you, ha- there's these physical components that you need to, to work on too. And it's going to show up in these ways often in our pelvic floor, you know? So like working with that can, can shift things dramatically too, to, to help in balancing hormones. So so thanks for the work that you do. Of course, I am happy to, you know, be here talking yeah. about it, sharing information and just making sure that women know that like these problems are normal, not normal, but like yeah. we experience common. them and they're, they're common and that there's so many resources to actually, because they're normal, there's so many resources to fix them yeah. or make them much, much, much better, if not completely go away. Yeah. And absolutely. then no one can live in pain or suffering, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking the other day, cause I had a headache like two days in a row and I don't usually have headaches. And I was like, I was in such a bad mood. And I'm like, cause when you don't feel good in your body physically, yeah. you can't feel like you no, can't, you know, not, yeah. Nothing. Life is, life is shitty pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, you know, women, you don't have to live with this pain forever, you know, and just like muddle through. So, well, how can people get in touch with you, you know, and find out more about the podcast? So anyone can send me an email. I'm always happy to hear from people, respond, connect them with practitioners or other women. Um, my info, my email is info at the vhive.com. That's just spelled the and then the letter V and then Hive, H-I-V-E dot com. Um, you can follow the VHive on Instagram at the VHive. Um, and then you can go to our website to learn more about the podcast, which is www.thevhive.com. And then the podcast is available on all major streaming platforms. So iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen, podcasts should be there. All the good ones. All the good ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was amazing. Thank you for the work that you do. It's so important. And I'm oh, always, it makes me feel so good to just connect with other people in the space and learn about, you know, what other women are doing to help. Absolutely. And yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, it makes me, um, you know, the, the thing about going through a traumatic experience like I did was like, it opened up this whole new world mm-hmm. to me of like so many incredible women doing so many incredible things. And really we want to help other women heal. I mean, that's what it comes down yeah. to. Right. You know, and so. it's awesome that, you know, like I'm, it's unfortunate that you had to go through what you went through. That I had to go through what I, we all have to mm-hmm. go through these painful experiences, but 
but then like you know you've turned it into such an amazing thing and you're helping so many people and I think that being able to like see it that like I know I've had to look at it that way like Mm -hmm. I suffered but now look what it's turned into and who I'm helping and I think that is really cool to see all these women who have been able to turn traumatic experiences into something really really powerful absolutely because women are strong as hell (laughs) (laughs) we we come out on the other side no matter what happens i swear so all right well thanks so much for being with us here today and if you guys want to reach out to hannah please do so and definitely um you know download her podcast get it on your favorites whatever um, platform you listen to and i will see you next week have a good one (laughs) 